Welcome to this MSX podcast examining the COVID-19 impact on the sale and distribution of spare parts in the automotive industry. This is one of a series of podcasts created by MSX in the wake of the crisis, covering its impact across the industry. Specifically, in terms of parts, this podcast will focus on uh, the initial impact of COVID-19, short-term path to recovery, so that's the, the period from sort of June towards the end of this year, and then how the crisis will reinforce and accelerate trends that were already apparent before the onset of the crisis. We plan to uh, to follow this edition with three further parts-focused podcasts covering uh, parts wholesale strategy, uh, developments in servicing uh, focused on, on North America in particular, and wider digital initiatives that will impact on parts and service the channel. My name is Andy Mills, MSX Global Product Director for the Parts and Service Channel. I've been in automotive for over 20 years. Uh, and during that time, I've been involved in delivering many projects to different OEM clients, but primarily focused on after sales. Uh, first and foremost, I would describe myself as a consultant, and my current responsibility is for the development of MSX digital services in the Parts and Service Channel. As I'm based in Europe, I'm joined by colleagues based in the US and the Middle East to provide a broader geographical perspective on the topics we're discussing today. Um, the colleagues are Mike Bo from our Detroit office and Sham Prasad, who is based in Dubai. Uh, so over to Mike and Sham for a brief introduction, starting with you, Mike, please. Thank you, Andy. Uh, my name is Mike Bao. I am the Director of Aftermarket Sales and Service Operations here in North America. Uh, been with MSX over 20 years, uh, working with all of our OEM customers and have about 35 years in the, in the automotive industry. And Sean, could you give a quick introduction, please? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Andy. My name is Sean Prasad. I work as a Principal Consultant for MSX International based in Dubai. I've been with MSX for close to a year now. I have been in the Middle East region for well over two decades and represented both OEMs and aftermarket franchises with specific focus on after sales and currently involved in supporting BMW Middle East on a specific initiative to drive more wholesale channel business and we'll be adding a couple more portfolios very soon. Great. Thank you both very much and welcome to the podcast. Looking to forward to hearing your views over the next half hour or so. So um, in, the, in the first segment of the podcast, uh, we want to um, sort of take a look back, if you like, at the initial impact of the crisis uh, in the period March through to, to May of this year. And we'd like to consider that from the perspective of different stakeholders, um, namely the OEM, uh, franchise dealers, the independent aftermarket, and uh, ultimately the end customer. Um, as, as many of the listeners will know, uh, we, at, we as MSX capture and report on a wide variety of uh, industry metrics. Uh, clearly, anything received directly from individual clients is treated as confidential. However, we're able to amalgamate data sets to detect trends 
um, at a macro level, which we publish on an ad hoc basis. And there are a few headlines in relation to the parts and service business from a European perspective that I'd like to share. Uh, and I will get a sort of the, the, the debate going. So um, putting data together for different OEMs, you get a pretty bleak picture for parts and sales in the three months ending uh, May of this year. It varies by market, obviously, and there is a demonstrable correlation with the severity of the lockdown in different markets. Uh, the spectrum of decline year on year uh, ranges from a hefty 30% in the markets most affected by the crisis to less than 10% at the more benign end of the spectrum. And that's not bad enough as a stat in itself. Um, data we have for one brand in one market showed a year-on-year -year decline of a whopping 80% in the month of April. Um, so that's really the background context that we're looking at from a, from a parts perspective. As a proxy for what's happened in the retail network, we can look at the usage of our in-house accessory sales tool across Europe. This is used by dealers um, in, the, in the retail environment. And if you look at the data we have at the end of week 14, which is end of March this year, usage by retailer staff had declined by 70% on a like-for-like -like basis with last year. However, the good news is by week 22, at the end of May, uh, usage levels have returned to nearly 90% of the level observed last year. So, so usage, look at usage as a sort of proxy for um, activity in the retail environment, and you get a pretty clear message there of, of what's happened. Uh, so that's, that's some data from a European perspective. Uh, Mike and Sham, what are your thoughts from wider afield and do you have any data to share? Um, perhaps I'll start with, with you, Mike. Sure, thank you. I think uh, things in the U.S. have been very interesting. Um, as I'm sure everybody knows, there was no federal or national guidance given to the nation in terms of how to respond to COVID. So it left it up to each of the 50 states to determine uh, their policy. And obviously states that were dramatically impacted early in the process were maybe a little bit more strict in terms of the uh, steps they took to to close the the economy and keep people at home and states that maybe weren't as impacted uh, or maybe a little bit more looser in terms of their regulations. Uh, the good news from our perspective was that even the states that were dramatically impacted like New York and Pennsylvania and Michigan, they determined that automotive service facilities, uh, both dealer and independent, were deemed essential services. So our dealers were able to keep their service departments open um, or if they closed them in the first week or two of the of the COVID stay-at-home uh, edicts from their state governments, uh, they reopened them very quickly. It doesn't mean that they were running them at full capacity. A lot of dealers went to uh, smaller staffs, um, focused really only on essential work. Um, so we were talking with ROEM customers and we were weekly monitoring the number of dealers that were open uh, in one form or another. And 
from our perspective, the network was running probably between 80 and 90% of their dealer service departments, at least partially open uh, in March and April, and, and then more started to open up in May as things got a little more stabilized. Uh, despite staying open to some degree, the, the data does show that there was an impact on sales uh, from COVID. Um, according to NADA, uh, the National Automobile Dealer Association, the dealer group here in, in North America, uh, average dealership data profile in February when no states were set, shut down, uh, service parts and body shop sales were up 3.4% over prior year. So it was, it was a good start to the year, good growth. Everybody was very optimistic as to what was going on. In March, when states began shutting down, uh, and it was a staggered shutdown, as I mentioned, uh, the March numbers showed that sales were down 1.2% over prior year for service parts and body shops. And in April, when almost all the states were in some type of stay-at-home uh, edict, uh, April sales were down 7.6%. So you can see that there was definitely some impact of COVID. Uh, unfortunately, data hasn't been published yet, uh, but based on our conversations with our OEM customers, uh, they all started to see a climb in terms of sales, not necessarily up year over year, but maybe not down as far as April was. Uh, Shyam, I'll, I'll let you chime in from your perspective. Thanks, Mike. Uh, for OEMs in the Middle East, you know, we need to remember that we don't have a manufacturing footprint here, uh, as it is in the case of Europe and the Americas. And most have sales and marketing offices, while some of them do have parts distribution centers or PDCs, which are primarily located in Dubai. It's been a challenging time uh, to handle both the inbound and outbound shipments for, from the PDCs and to the PDCs. Franchise networks uh, had skeletal operations you know, hampered by the shutdown. Some were operating at close to 25% capacity with restricted hours, shorter and multiple shifts. The independent network was completely shut down owing to curfew and movement restriction in most parts of the region. Aftermarket parts distributors were also affected as logistics was restricted only to essential items like groceries and medicines. And unlike what Mike was mentioning, uh, where parts were also classified as essential items, it was not so in the case in the Middle East. Customers have deferred vehicle purchases and consequent parts purchases owing to these restrictions on movement. Great, thanks, Sham. Um, and then to, to, to pick up from a European perspective, um, following sort of key developments really from the from the market participants, um, we, we're seeing OEMs repurpose um, field resource quite extensively during the the, uh, the initial phase of the, of the crisis. Um, you know, in recognition that network either networks were closed. Um, repurposing a field resource to to um, deliver final mile logistics solutions, for example, for, for parts distribution. A couple of uh, examples of that I can think of. Um, but you know, by and large, um, OEM field activity in its traditional sense has um, ceased during the, this initial three-month period. Um, and as, as I've just acknowledged, that the franchise network pretty much wholesale closure. Um, well, in the independent sector, uh, and obviously this varies from, from country to country, but um, I think the majority 
has been open to some degree throughout the, the lockdown period. And they have been uh, supplied by the aftermarket distribution network in the absence of the uh, franchise dealer who have maintained availability, albeit with some reduction in distribution points. Um, they've also been very quick uh, to offer sort of general guidance and support to independents, which, you know, anecdotally um, we've heard has been very well received. And then I think really, like you were saying, Sham, uh, from a customer point of view, um, there, there has been a deferment of planned work at garages. Um, and interestingly, an increase in, in online parts purchases has been observed from some of the, um, the online platforms that um, are available to the end customer. Um, so just sort of moving on then uh, from from where we are in terms of um, the uh, the initial stage. Um, any Before I do so, any any other further thoughts, guys? Uh, from, from a North American perspective, um, very similar trends to the ones that, that you described for Europe. Um, one thing that was kind of surprising is that the U.S., uh, we did experience a technician shortage. Um, the federal government passed a legislation called the CARES Act, which provided an additional $600 a week in unemployment uh, insurance to people who were laid off or let go from their positions. And what we found with that is that our entry level and even our lower paid technicians actually made more money staying at home than working. So even our dealerships that wanted to open back up on a, on a partial or even close to a a full basis, um, experienced the technician shortage. So that that definitely had an impact in terms of the ability to you know increase your sales, fix your cars, do your customer satisfaction. Um, the other thing that was rather interesting is that you know the, according to the dealers that, that we talked to. Um, customers who are visiting the dealership for service, by and large, were ones that, that were not concerned about COVID and did not really believe it was as serious as, as a lot of people think it is. And they were extremely comfortable leaving their homes. So it was a, a small segment of the population that was out. Um, and then uh, one thing that we've seen here in the U.S. That, that's been pretty, pretty uh appealing is that both OEMs and dealerships have been publicizing service specials for first responders and medical staff uh, as a thank you for their efforts. So it's not only you know trying to drive business, but it truly is um, a goodwill gesture to, to try and thank people for, for their, their sacrifice in terms of the things that they're doing during this, this pandemic. Good, good. Um, so, so moving on then um, to what we could describe as um, the, the short-term recovery phase um, June through to the end of this year. Uh, again, drawing on industry data, it's clear all OEMs are forecasting significant gaps in projected revenues um, versus 20, 000, uh, sorry, 2020 budget and, and prior year. Um, with most not anticipating full recovery in uh, part sales volumes until until the autumn this year. Uh, I say the good news is that the data we see confirms we are now genuinely in a, a recovery phase, and you know there's there's obviously variations around that geographically, but on a whole, um, certainly in in Europe that is the case, um, and in part. 
one of the recovery phase, that is the period from June to September, um, the spectrum of year-on-year decline in part sales improves from the sort of 10 to 30% we were looking at in the early stages of the, uh, the crisis to probably 5 to 20%. Uh, and thereafter, in the markets least affected by the crisis, OEM see a return to pre-COVID year-on-year part sales trends uh, with a modest decrease anticipated in the more severely affected markets. So that sort of data really sort of paints a picture um, that there is recovery going on, um, but um, it's it's slow, um, and it and it is from a very big um, dip that we saw um, in the in the earlier months of this year. Now, the implications for the aftermarket stakeholders of that are varied. Um, so from an OEM point of view. There is a focus on generating activity and um, that generates revenue um, and cost reduction on activity that isn't generating revenue. There is a cautious approach um, to um, changing programs um, that are targeted on the dealer network. Uh, you're very mindful of. Um, the, uh, the impact on the dealer network and not wanting to add to that burden uh, and you know, continually searching for uh, efficiencies that um, will, will deliver some offset against the decline in sales that we've seen. So over to, to Mike and Sham uh, for your regional perspective on OEM behaviour. Um, again, Mike, could I, could I leave with you? Sure, absolutely. Thank you, Andy. Uh, basically, we see here in, in the U.S. The, the same types of activities and reactions that, that you described. Uh, very early in March, all of our OEM customers came to us and, and started talking about budgets and reforecasting and what type of savings could could result from the fact that either uh, you know dealers were closed, so we weren't supporting them, or we were working more remotely. So budget deficits, definitely something that's out there. Um, and and there is a very cautious approach to the incentives um, because again you know you're not necessarily getting all the customers in so it doesn't necessarily make sense to to uh, spend the money on incentives but I, I would say it's definitely targeted uh, as I mentioned with the uh, you know the, the first responders and, and medical staff incentives it's a very targeted approach um, most of the OEMs that we work with are reporting that sales are starting to return back um, typically between 85 and 90 percent of pre-COVID levels uh, through through mid-June. Um, so they're optimistic that the year is going to be salvageable. Uh, January, February, we're up year over year compared to, to 2019. Obviously, you know, March kind of flat, April, May down significantly, but the trend is coming back up. Um, so they're very optimistic that, you know, assuming there is no second wave uh, and that we're able to, to contain the COVID uh, case count that we have here in the U.S., uh, that the year is definitely one that they're not willing to write off at this point in time. Um, here in the U.S., most of the OEM effort has been really 
focus for the for the franchise dealer network around what can we do to help you what can we do to support you um, so they've all published uh, guides to the dealers in terms to you know where to purchase their PPE uh, which is the personal protection equipment the masks and the hand sanitizer the thermometers those types of things uh, publishing social distancing guidelines and best practices for both employees and customers providing some marketing materials to the dealers around, you know, what is the dealer doing to, uh, to protect the customer, uh, not only the customer when they come, but their vehicle. So, you know, publicize the fact that you sanitize the vehicle as soon as it arrives. So you're protecting your employees. And then after the work is completed on it, you're sanitizing it a second time to protect the customer. Um, and then really trying to look at, you know, how can we modify existing processes to help with COVID uh, restrictions? So one of the examples here in the U.S. is a lot of dealers um, stopped using their customer shuttle because the shuttle typically would take three, four, five customers and drive around and drop them off. Um, so that's an example of changing the existing process because nobody was really comfortable being in close proximity in a vehicle with somebody else uh, while they were being shuttled around. Um, so that's that's really the types of behaviors that we've seen here in, in the U.S. Uh, Sham? Thanks, Mike. I see a lot of similarity in what you just mentioned regarding the performance in Jan and Feb, and it's kind of mirrored in the Middle East as well where we saw uh, most uh, OEMs and the franchises reporting growth of at least 15 to 20% year on year. But then March happened and um, the OEMs uh, got into uh, uh, looking at ways and means of reducing costs and trying to also remain afloat on the revenue generation. Some of them started renegotiating the current contracts with suppliers to try and uh, keep a lid on uh, costs. Most OEMs that we interact with are reforecasting the 2020 paths revenue and and the associated uh, profit expectations given the slowdown from the end of quarter one. And a constant dialogue with the dealer network is ongoing with inflated inventories of the franchise networks because you need to remember that Parts are planned at least two to three months in advance and placed on component suppliers, which are located in the West. And by the time you hit the brakes, you already have you know a few dozen containers uh, on ICs uh, uh, inbound into the region. Now, for the franchise network, capacity utilization had dropped to the low twenties in April, May in most networks. Some are seeing a resurgence now, thanks to initiatives like a free pickup and drop service, even for. So the small jobs that need to be done on a car, customer drive-ins are now open without appointments in most franchises. This, this again, is something new that the customers haven't noticed. But still, there is that hesitancy with the car owner, per se, thinking, you know, should I take my car over to the uh, service center and get it uh, fixed to get it serviced? Or could I wait uh, a few more kilometers, a few more weeks before I go over there? Yeah, yeah, one of the things um, that we've observed with uh, franchise networks is um, a reduction in workshop capacity due to the social distancing. Has, has that had any impact? Uh, you mentioned the um, the low levels of capacity utilization, um, Sham. Has that had social distancing had any impact on capacity over there? Uh, yes and no in the sense uh, um, social distancing has been uh, quite rigid from the uh, you know, from an enforcement perspective from the authorities 
movement was very limited and uh, it, it was not possible practically for the service networks to up their game and come back anywhere near even 50% of what they could do. Uh, there are uh, restrictions even now in place in uh, social congregation areas, live alone service networks, where people are a little hesitant. Am I doing the right thing? Am I not? And there are very stiff penalties in place uh, if, if you are found violating any of the distancing norms. And, and Mike, just picking up on that point from a U.S. point of view. Yeah, definitely. We, we saw reduced capacity. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, uh, once the stay at home orders went into place for the various states, uh, you know, some dealers uh, either closed or just reduced the number of hours, which immediately had uh, an impact on capacity. Um, as demand started to rise, you know, they were rehiring their staff, as I mentioned previously, with the additional CARES Act unemployment uh, payments. A lot of the technicians weren't coming back to work, which we already have a technician shortage here in in the U.S., so that only exacerbated capacity as well. Um, but there's been some interesting um, developments that have come out of uh, sort of the social distancing element. Uh, dealers here, some dealers here in the in the U.S., have actually gone to two shifts of technicians on alternating days, and the same thing with their service staff. Um, so that should an employee contract COVID, the entire dealership doesn't have to go into quarantine for 14 days, but but really only half the staff would have to do that. So I thought that was a, a rather interesting approach to trying to not only look at you know effectively social distancing by using let's say, every other bay, but also only using half your staff on any given day. Um, and as I mentioned previously, you know, most dealers suspended their courtesy shuttles um, and, and because of social distancing and either required customers to secure their own transportation to and from the dealership if they were dropping off a vehicle. But also a lot of dealers and OEMs are now starting to utilize Uber and Lyft um, to shuttle customers. So they're reaching out and either setting up their own contracts with them um, so that each customer has their own sort of private shuttle to and from. Uh, and that's been a big development that we've seen uh, here in the North American market. Yeah, that's quite an interesting point, Mike. And it's sort of, you know, it's it's related to um, what I was talking about earlier about um, final mile logistics solutions for parts delivery. Um, you know, th th this crisis could fork, um, um, encourage and accelerate the, the trend towards the dealers looking at you know, specialist third parties, um, helping them with with this side of um, their business rather than trying to you know, do everything themselves. So that, that could be something to look at as we move forward. Um, from the, uh, from the uh, independent sector then, um, yeah, we've. Um, I, I touched on it earlier. Most of the uh, the, the independents have remained open, um, and we've seen an increased use of aftermarket distributors. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. De facto, the uh, the franchise network being closed is a contributory factor here, obviously. Um, and we've seen sort of rising demand from used vehicle customers. Uh, I think you referenced earlier, Shan, that um, the decline in, in, in new vehicle sales and an increase in used, um, which historically has tended to correlate with use of in the independent aftermarket. Uh, and from an aftermarket parts distribution point of view, um, we would anticipate 
pretty aggressive sales activity to capitalize and maintain the the increased market penetration they've achieved over recent months. And that's all going to further increase the pressure on OEM part sales. Um, again, thoughts on that, perhaps leading with you, Sham, from a, from a perspective in the Middle East. If we are expecting to see uh, reduced service retention at franchise networks with the independent repairs uh, stepping up their game, in fact, many of them have made significant investment in state-of-the-art facilities as, as recent as last year that would probably rival franchise networks in, in the Middle East. Aftermarket parts have become increasingly popular given uh, uh, the lower uh, affordability for OE in the current circumstances, and we expect that this will uh, stimulate aftermarket brands to become more aggressive in offering sweet deals to the IRs or the independent repairers to take on more of their stuff as compared to the OEMs. Very similar. Uh, you know, the aftermarket did stay open here, the, the independents and, uh, you know, the OEMs that, that we work with are actually reporting an increase in, in part sales through their wholesale network. Um, so I'm not sure how much of that is is just pent up demand from uh, the stay at home orders being impacted or to your point, uh, you know, people planning on keeping their cars longer. So they've got to do more maintenance to them to keep them running. Uh, but definitely we're seeing an increase in the independent sector in terms of parts purchases and business. Good. Um, just mindful of, of, of time. Um, the, the final um, topic we wanted to touch on in, in this uh, podcast was uh, the acceleration of the digital strategy. Um, so we've, uh, we've already referenced there is some evidence of increased usage of online parts ordering platforms during the crisis. Um, particularly by end customers, but also by uh, the independent repair sector. And this supports the digital narrative we hear um, increasingly from OEMs and the acceleration of pre-existing strategies, but also the launch of new ones uh, covering online part sales, um, event-driven marketing programs, um, wholesale park distribution strategies and reduced reliance on, on field resource or coaching uh, through the adoption of micro and, and mobile coaching, micro learning and mobile um, learning platforms. Any, any thoughts on this? Again, I'll toss this in your direction to start off with, Mike. Sure, absolutely. Uh, we're, we're definitely seeing all of those things. Uh, you know, here in North America, online part sales is is quite large, um, not only from the OEM standpoint, but also from the aftermarket and even, you know, companies like Amazon. And there's a tire rack here that sells tires directly to to customers through through uh, online transactions. So big, big emphasis on convenience and, you know, being able to sit at your computer and order what you need uh, and maybe even have it drop shipped directly to an installer is, is definitely appealing to customers. So we're seeing a lot there. 
Um, as I mentioned with uh, regards to event-driven marketing programs, we are seeing targeted marketing um, and, and probably the most specific example I could think of, which I've mentioned already, is, is the incentives and reward programs that have been offered towards first responders and, and medical. Um, with regards to field resources, there is a lot of uh, emphasis being placed by, by us and by our OEM customers on remote consulting. Uh, obviously, with the stay-at-home orders, the dealership have been able to be open, but we haven't been able to go in, and nor do our OEM customers want us to go into the dealerships to support. So utilizing performance reports and KPIs remotely to gain an understanding of dealership performance, and then arranging you know, short video chats with, with the appropriate dealership manager to work through the underlying issues that may be impacting those degrading KPIs has been very effective. And, and we always end with creation of an action plan to address the root cause of the issue and then follow up again in the following week. So definitely a, a shift in terms of the mindset, in terms of how we could work with uh, dealers, uh, maybe a little bit more efficiently uh, and, and maybe a little bit more effectively. Yeah. And I'm guessing from, uh, from, a, from a cost reduction agenda point of view, um, the potential savings there would be considerable in a market the size of North America. Indeed. Yeah. Um, Sharma, any, any thoughts from you on, on, on this point? Yeah, sure, Andy. Now, online part sales, uh, pretty much unlike in the West, do not find much of a favor in the region with reliance still on the traditional channels. However, seasonal offers are very much in prevalence. In, in addition, the region also has bulk purchase incentives, uh, primarily on stuff like commodities, where container loads of products like engine oils, coolants, or automatic transmission fluids are bought by the trade segment and imported from the West. Marketing initiatives have also assumed importance with emphasis on creative approach, uh, be it by uh, popular product groups going by seasonality or popular car models. Social media has a significant penetration in the region, so communication on these channels is also being leveraged significantly. Good, thanks, Sharon. Um, I think it's um, time has moved on considerably, um, and it's time to uh, to do a short um, summary and wrap up. Um, so let me first thank Mike and Sham for their contribution to our discussion, which I hope you found interesting. Um, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, uh, we intend to follow up this introductory recording with, with more specific podcasts in the coming months, uh, commencing with uh, a, a cast focused on parts wholesale strategy in early September, a focus on service um, in mid-October, and wrapping up with a podcast looking at the, the wider digital initiatives, you know, the, the point that we were just beginning to explore before we timed out on this podcast. So um, I hope you found um, this discussion um, stimulating and interesting. And uh, please um, um, join us again for the future editions, uh, which we will um, pick up the themes I've just mentioned. Thanks for your time. 